You know, the it's always a person's last words that I think we seem to remember the most. Sometimes a person's last words, you know, they, they didn't know those were going to be their last words. And if it's someone that you love, you, you'll remember, you'll reflect on the last thing that they said. Sometimes, sometimes a person knows that they're nearing the end and that this is going to be the last thing that they're going to say and they want it to really stand out. The last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven is found in Matthew chapter 28. Don't turn there today. We're going to do something a little different this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. If you would, go ahead and put that verse up on the screen. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. About a year ago, I was reading, I was preparing for our series that we were doing at the time on the Gospel of Mark. And as I was uh, just doing my preparation, I came across something that made a made an observation that I probably knew, but you know how sometimes something strikes you at a certain time in your life and it catches your attention like never before. This person made the observation that in the New Testament, Jesus, uh, actually in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, uh, the word Christian is only used three times. Did you know that? We talk a lot about Christians, and you know, we want to see people come to Christ, we want to make Christians. The word disciple, on the other hand, is used 261 times in the Gospels, the book of Acts. And what we find is, if you, if you think about it, as you read the scriptures, that the New Testament is a book of disciples, it's written two disciples, and it's written for people who are disciples in Christ. I think that sometimes as churches, we get caught up in how many people come to our church and how many people are attending our church. We don't think enough about making disciples. That seems to be the real focus of the New Testament. Not how many people come to your church, but how many disciples are there in your church? And so as I thought about that, uh, began to talk with our staff about it. And then at the beginning of 2017, I I told you guys that one of my three goals was for us to become much more serious in terms of making disciples, that we needed to develop some opportunities for people to get into discipleship. And of course, the first thing that we needed to do was find somebody who could be on our staff who could help lead this charge. So as most of you guys know, we went through a, a, a long search for a person who would fill that position. And uh, as I've told you before, you know, we, we searched nationwide, actually sort of searched all over the world for this position, and landed on a person who was just really a couple miles away from us. This morning, I want to give you a chance to meet him, to hear from him. I think it's very important that as a church, we, we understand who he is. And I'm going to have him come up in just a minute, and we're going to do a little interview together. But before we do, I'd like to just say a word of prayer, if you would bow your heads with me this morning. Our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us as a church, forgive me as a leader for being more concerned at times about things like attendance than making disciples, reaching people with the gospel but not building them up in the gospel. 
Lord, I pray that you would, as a church, I pray that you would change us, change our priorities, so that we would become a church focused on making disciples of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I I pray that as we, uh, as Dustin Krantz begins his ministry here with us, that, Lord, I pray that you would empower him in this sense, give him a vision for this. And I pray as a result of that, that we as a church would be changed, and that we as individuals in this church would be changed as well. Our Lord, we pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to introduce to you this morning, Dustin Krantz. If you would, please show Dustin your appreciation. Come on up, Dustin. How you doing? Dustin, it's great to have you. I'm, and in fact, I got to tell you, I am so excited that you're here. I could almost kiss you. you I mean, if you want. I to won't go. do that, okay, but I almost That's could. Good. So Dustin, just, you know, real quickly, uh, from, the, from the time you started this process to now, the process of finding, yeah. you know, uh, us interviewing you, you finding out about it, all of that to now, how long did that take? It's been, it's been a long time. It's been like Almost six months. I think we had our first conversation in June. Okay. So it's been a while. That is a long time. Uh, your wife, Hillary, is here. Would you like to introduce her? Yeah, Hillary, go ahead and stand up. She loves that. Everybody stare at Hillary. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's Hillary. Um, she's my high school sweetheart. We, have, we started dating sophomore year of high school. And um, we have two kiddos that um, are going to run around all over this place, um, Desmond and Shiloh. And she's awesome. And she is good at all things that I'm not. And that makes us really good together. And, um, yeah, she's just got all sorts of secret gifts and abilities and wisdom that is going to be a blessing to, yeah, whatever church she's a part of. We figured that out in the search process. We, we, really, we really wanted her, so we hired you. Yeah. <laughs> Not a hard choice. <laughs> Dustin, for the people here who don't know uh, much about you, would you mind to just kind of tell us again about your background and, uh, you know, where you're from, how you got to Evansville, all of yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Um, I am originally from Chicago, and um, that has driven all of my sports team's decisions, um, for good or for bad. Um, and so originally from Chicago, we moved down here when I was really young. And so this is home, um, has been home for a long time. Um, I grew up in Newburgh, went to Castle High School, and uh, went to Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana for college. I have a degree in Christian ministries. And um, I, at the end of college, we were getting ready to get married, and we had sort of told God, like, he had a blank check. Send us wherever you want to. If that's on the other side of the world, we're game. Like, you just go. And we ended up in Evansville, Indiana. yeah, we never thought that this would be where we were, but our, our whole adult life has been in Evansville. And so, um, yeah, it's funny how God works, but yeah. this is a good place. How, how'd you come to Christ? How did you come to a place where you believed in Christ? Yeah, so I am a um, complete spiritual mutt in that my dad was raised in the Catholic Church and my mom was Baptist. And, um, and so two weeks after I was born, I was baptized in the Catholic Church because my grandmother was sure I would go to hell if I wasn't. And, um, and I was also dedicated in the Baptist Church as an infant. And then when we moved to 
Indiana, we became United Methodist and sort of like landed there in the middle ground. So I was confirmed United Methodist, and then I went to a Wesleyan college, and then I was baptized by immersion and ordained in the non-denominational Christian church. <laughs> so if if somebody is right, I'm covered. And... Um, <laughs> And that's I'm I'm really thankful for that journey, um, and and that's part of. But all that to say, I did. I grew up in a home that that went to church, that knew Jesus, that loved Jesus. Um, I I grew up with my dad reading the Bible to me and my sister at night, and um, and I I was a kid that knew all the answers in Sunday school. Um, I loved like hearing the stories and and knowing like all of what happened when, and so I could give the right answer to every question. I knew all about Jesus, and and really it wasn't until middle school um, when I had gotten really good at knowing all the right answers about Jesus, and then becoming whoever I thought my friends wanted me to be, um, because that's what you do in middle school to survive. And um, and I had a youth pastor who just said, you know, Dustin, you can know everything there is to know about Jesus. But if you don't know him, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. And um, that, like, really, like, jarred me. And, and I said, okay, well, then, then I've really got to know him. And that was, that was when I said, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm following. And, um, and so, yeah, every, every year since has just been learning new ways to say yes. Something I don't know if we covered during the interview process, but when I came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I knelt down next to my bed, and I, I, I said, Lord, I, be my Savior, be my Lord. And then I promised him that I would never sin again. And I've kept that promise pretty much for the most part. I, I just that is so awesome. Yeah. I admire you so much for that. Just wanted you to know the kind of, kind of church you're coming to. That's awesome. And what a great leader I get to serve with. <laughs> exactly. Why City Church? I don't know. Why City Church? Um, no, City Church, uh, this is so exciting for us. And really, like, City Church has been on our radar since the beginning of City Church. Um, I remember my wife and I were driving uh, down the road, and we saw a billboard for the great porn debate. Um, Excuse me, just one second, because yep. some people may not know, those are some people who are new. We, a uh, number of years ago, when we were just starting as a church, uh, I'm not even sure if we'd actually started as a church yet. We were we were trying to. And we held what we called the great porn debate. And we had a porn star by the name of Ron Jeremy come in. And he debated a pastor who heads up a ministry called Triple X Church. And so these two guys debated on stage. We held it over at the center. And Ron Jeremy said some things during that uh, debate that I wasn't sure we would be able to actually become a church after that. I thought they might kick us out of the city. But anyway, we did that, and that's what you're referring to. Yeah, no, we, we saw that, and, and while some people maybe had their feathers ruffled by that, we were so excited by that and thought, man, that's awesome that, that a church is running at that because, because it's in every home in America, in our city. And, and that's real. And people are, are working through that. And that's awesome that the church is, is being a voice in that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that like we've, we've paid attention to city church, like from the beginning, but, but ultimately, um, that, that vision statement that's on the wall is why we're at city church. Um, we, that, that idea of, of bringing spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to Evansville and beyond by a movement of people transformed by the gospel, that, that, could, be our, our, that could be on our family's kitchen wall, right? The Krantz family exists um, to bring spiritual, social, cultural renewal to Evansville and beyond. 
by a movement that we are making one at a time. Um, and, and so, like, my heart resonates with that deeply. And um, I, love, I love Jesus. I love his, his church. And, um, and we, also, we love Evansville. Like, we really do love this odd, little, wonderful city um, for all that it is and all, all that it can be. And we really do feel like God is, God is doing something incredible in this place. And um, this feels like a really neat opportunity to sort of be on the ground floor of, of being able to watch that up close and be a part of it. Some people know, I think you mentioned it earlier, that you came from Crossroads. That's the church that you were on staff at. Some people might want to, might want to know, they might wonder, how did things end at Crossroads? Yeah, I, um, I was on staff for Crossroads um, for nine years, and um, it... I'm so excited for Evansville to watch a transition in a church that just feels really, really healthy um, and good. We have left Crossroads on amazing terms. We love that church. We love the people of that church. And um, we have so many good and wonderful relationships there. And and it was not a move of of getting out of Crossroads. It was about um, really saying yes to a, a couple of years long journey of asking God, you know, what's, what do you have for us? What's next in, in ministry? And, um, and so, you know, as, as we told people that, you know, we're actually, we're, we're going to be leaving Crossroads because Dustin's going to be teaching and discipleship pastor at City Church. And we tell them about the role. 95% of the people we told said, yeah, you should do that. Like, just not even like, that stinks that you're leaving, but yes, you should do that. That's totally what you need to be doing. And so um, last weekend or two weeks ago was our last Sunday at Crossroads. And yeah, Patrick like had us up on stage and, and prayed for us and affirmed um, the decision and, and prayed for, for us, for City Church, for, for you and your leadership. And so um, it, it's a really good thing. And we really are on the same team. And so um, there's a lot of what, yeah, was put into me at Crossroads that, that I'm going to get to share in, in the Evansville uh, kingdom. And so we're all excited about that. You know, once, uh, once we finally made the decision to hire you and offered you the position and you accepted, I wrote an email to Patrick, the lead pastor there, and then to Paul, the executive pastor there. And I, I just said to them, pardon me? Sorry. That's right. So I said to them, you know, I just said to them, we want to be unified with other churches here in the city of Evansville. We, we believe that's important. And I told them, I said, I want you to know that uh, we didn't recruit, we didn't recruit him away. We, you know, our, the search firm found him. The search firm was aware that Dustin was, uh, was out there looking. And uh, had that not been the case, we wouldn't have hired him. And uh, they were very, very gracious about that. And I know that when they had you up on stage, I think they said something to you about the fact that you're part of Team Evansville and that they're part of Team Evansville, and so are we at City Church. And I really appreciated their perspective. I appreciated their maturity and the unity that they demonstrated in that. Well, one of the tasks that you're going to have is working with our City Life Group ministry. These are groups that meet in homes, sometimes once a a week, sometimes every other week. Usually right now the groups talk in further detail about what I just preached on Sunday morning or in the future what you preached on Sunday morning. Uh, 
why why do you care about life groups? Why is that an important ministry to you? Life groups are important because I I love seeing people transformed by Jesus. And there there's nothing better than seeing a life transformed um, by the fullness of the gospel. And that happens in life groups. Um, it's it's important that that we're here and this is this is an hour and, and fifteen, an hour and a half um, of our week, and and we're equipped to go out. But but real change happens in relationships and community. Um, and so, you know, if I were to ask you, what are the five most life changing sermons you've heard in your life? You'd be hard pressed to come up with that list, and and it'd be impossible probably for you to go through like the main points of those sermons. If I were to ask you, who are the five most life-changing people? Who are the most influential people in your life? That five is easy. Um, and it wouldn't be hard for you to say why um, those people were influential. Because people change people. Relationships are, are where transformation happens. And so um, without, without small group community, without people sharing life with each other and doing discipleship with each other, we don't experience the full transformation that's available to us. Um, and outside of just that, I mean, small groups in our life has been a big deal. It's a, it's a major part of, of Hillary and I, um, our marriage and our life together, and what we have been able to watch Jesus do through groups that we have been a part of is absolutely incredible. Um, we, have, we have students that have grown up through small groups in our ministry, and just to see what God does in someone's heart when they're faithfully gathering together to, to grow towards him and to see the, the result of that years down the road, the fruit that comes from um, discipleship in groups and, and even just not groups that we've led as, as youth leaders, but personally, just in our, in our own small groups, um, we have seen lives changed. Um, you know, I can point to, to marriages that would not be together today if it weren't for small group. I can, I can point to marriages that, that exist today that wouldn't have, had it been, um, they never would have gotten married um, without small group. I can, I can see family trees that have been re, redirected and rewritten and, and life stories that have taken a different trajectory because of small group. And so um, that is, that's exciting. That's fun yeah. to, to get to see. And so um, it is a, a deep passion of mine and, and ours really just to see people um, transform the community with each other. You shared a story in the first service about like a time that you had your initial group, yeah, and then you had you invited yeah, yeah, a yeah. bunch of people to it. So, um, yeah, we we were part of a small group that met for four years together, and um, and maybe you think that's a really really long time, or maybe you think that's like just getting started. But we'd been together for four years, and it was an amazing fun group that had. Um, we really understood each other, and we were in similar stages of life, and, and we just felt like we were safe, and it was good, and we had friends, and, and it was this tight-knit community, and that group had grown to be 14 or like 16 people, and, um, and 14 is a whole lot of people to try and have shared discussion, and so you know, it was the point where trying to get through Bible study and everybody being able to speak was hard, let alone know what was going on in each other's lives. And so um, me and, and a few other people in the group at the same time um, in a season, it just sort of said, you know, I think, I think we need to make room for more people. And um, that's, that's not going to happen by getting a big, bigger living room or a bigger porch. 
um, because there's still not going to be time to talk. And so we've probably, we need to make ourselves in, into more groups so that, and, and we don't have to stop being friends. Like, let's still get together on a regular basis. Let's stay in communication. But what if that, like, us getting together became a much larger group of people because we were willing to, like, open that up to more people? And so um, we, that group of 14 became two groups, and, and then those two groups each became two groups, or one of them became three groups, and the other came two. And, and it's, it's multiplied like a few times out. And that group of 14, two years later, we, we sent a, several group texts out to every small group that was a result of that original small group and just said, if you're, if you're around this evening, um, what, let's get together at Crossroads. We'll be in the student theater, and, and you just, you know, like... Come on in. And we, we sent those texts out to like 142 different people. That's amazing. Because that's what <laughs> 14, 14 had become in two years. Um, just by saying, we need to make room for more people because, because more people need this. That's remarkable. Right? What, what we've experienced, we, we need to see other people do that. And so, um, yeah, that is an incredible thing to, to get to be a part of. And, yeah, when you've watched that, you want to see it happen more. When I first became a Christian, I, I really wanted to know what in the world to do with my faith. I was at a large church down in Dallas, and I, and I had believed in Christ. But I was new to the whole thing. I, it was like, what in the world am I supposed to do? What's my next step? What am I supposed to do about this faith? And like a lot of churches, I think, they didn't really have anything for me. Like they didn't have a plan for me. And so whatever spiritual growth I have experienced, uh, whatever I haven't experienced, uh, that's all been sort of my own just trying to figure it out, right? One of the goals, as I said earlier, that I have for City Church is for us to become a church where we can take a person from uh, just beginning to know and believe in Christ to maturity in Christ. At least we can help facilitate that. Let me start with this. What's the difference between being a disciple of Christ and being an attender in a church? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a lot like, is a square a rectangle? Yes. Is a rectangle a square? Maybe. Um, not always. Uh, does, a disciple, does a disciple go to church? Is a disciple plugged into a church? Yeah. Is, is someone who goes to church a disciple? Maybe. Um, they might be. It's really possible, um, but but they're, but they're not the same thing. And and being a disciple is is the best thing that we can be. And it's what Jesus has called us to. Um, if you look at at the very first invitation to the disciples um, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus um, you know calls out to some fishermen in a lake and he says, you know, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And and they say yes. And, and I think that, that really simple verse is a great outline for what is a disciple. Um, a disciple is someone who said yes to follow Jesus. They, they have accepted that call. They've said, yes, I'll follow. And, and then Jesus says, you know, I'll make or I'll transform you. And, and that's, the other, that's another piece of being a disciple, is someone who's being transformed by Jesus. And, and that's not just an initial decision. That's, that's an ongoing process right. that, that still today and 
and I, even if you haven't sinned since you said yes way back when. Um, it's been a long time. I just I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're still being transformed by Jesus to, to become more like him. And then the last part is I'm going to make you, I'm going to transform you into someone who makes disciples. And, and so a disciple is also someone who is on board with the mission of Jesus. And, and they're ready to, to not just take in information, but, but give what God has given them to other people. And so, yeah, a disciple is someone who said yes to Jesus, who, who is pursuing after Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, and, and is excited about the mission that, that we've been given. Um, that mission uh, that you, you talked about at the beginning, that Jesus said, like the, the first thing that he says, come follow me, be a disciple, and, and I'll teach you how to make disciples. And the last thing he says is, go, make disciples, and teach them to follow me. Um, and so it, it's, it's throughout the entire gospel narrative. Um, yes, Jesus is preaching. Yes, he is performing miracles. He's doing incredible things. But he's doing it all with his disciples. And the, the main dialogues that we get to catch, a lot of them are, are with his disciples. And he's saying, this, this is what's going on. This is what's, he's transferring that knowledge in, in a real-life way so that they will be prepared to go out and continue this mission um, that we've been given. Um, Jesus, if we're all about Jesus, we've got to be all about making disciples because that's what he was all about. And so um, you, you want to see a city, a world transformed. It happens through disciples. Yeah. And actually, the first time that we met, um, I said, I get, I get the vision statement. It's awesome. Mm. I said, how does that happen? And, and you said, well, through discipleship. And I thought, yeah, okay, I, I, can, I can go with this. Mm. Um, I mean, it is, it's a really, really big deal to, to see disciples um, made and, and multiplied. And so, um, yeah, outside of even just Jesus, if you look at Paul in the rest of the New Testament, um, a couple of my favorite verses from Paul um, are a little bit obscure. One of them is from First Thessalonians, and he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And, um, and in First Thessalonians 2, um, he says, you know, for what's our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. And here you have the most effective missionary in the history of the world. Like this guy has transformed the narrative of human history by what he has done for Jesus. And, and he's been shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned and stoned. And, and you name it. Like he has every badge of honor that you could possibly hope to get in, in the, the Jesus circles. And he says, when I stand before Jesus, the thing that I am most excited about, the thing that I, I want to show him, like, look what I did. It's none of that. He said, it's this church, this group of disciples who got it. I think that says a whole lot mm-hmm. about discipleship yeah. and, and what it means that, that Paul would say the thing that he is most proud of are the disciples that got it, that, that he was able to, to see Jesus transform their lives. And, um, and also, I mean, Timothy, Timothy is one of Paul's disciples, and, and we see, like, the same way that Jesus was, was teaching his disciples so they would go make disciples, um, that's, that's sort of what the church, like, just continued doing. 
afterwards. It was the model that Jesus had set up, and, and they just continued doing it. And so Paul writes to Timothy um, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, you know, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And so you have Paul writing to his disciple Timothy, who, and he's saying to Timothy, you're going to disciple others, and those others are going to disciple others. And so you have like four generations laid out in this one sentence where, where Paul, he has no idea who these people are in the church in Ephesus, but he knows that he's put the gospel in Timothy and, and that that is going to continue to reproduce because he's made a disciple who's going to make a disciple. And that is how churches and cities and societies are transformed. It's through disciples. I think churches struggle with this in general. Are there any churches that you're aware of that do this well, making disciples? Yeah, we are, we are discovering. There's all sorts of churches who are learning how to do it really well. And, and it's weird that we're learning how to make disciples because it was sort of like the thing that we were told to do, right? Like, yeah. like orig- it's like we've rediscovered the Great Commission all over again. Um, Jesus said, make disciples. We should make disciples. Um, we're supposed to be like Jesus. He made disciples. Let's make disciples. Um, and so there are a lot of churches. For a long time, we've sort of fell into this trap where we thought that that it was the professional Christians, like the pastors, that, that were able to help people change. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but no, there's churches all over the world who are really, like, taking God at his word and, and his example. That a group of, of ragtag rejects that some rabbi had told a long time ago, like, no, you should go be a fisherman because this is not cut out for you. Jesus goes to that guy and says, come follow me. And... Um, and those are the people that he built his church with. And so um, there are churches who, who have really, really, like, just taken God at his word. Um, a big one that's been influential for me, um, Real Life Church in Post Falls, Idaho. Um, I didn't know that anything existed in Idaho outside of potatoes. And, um, and they have, like, built a church on discipleship. And it started in, in a guy's living room, as a lot of church plants do, but they just said, like, we're committed to making disciples who are going to make other disciples. And that's how our church is going to grow. And so, I mean, they now have thousands of people that are engaged um, in discipleship. They have planted churches all over the United States and sent out people um, from their church to go and make disciples. And so, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's a good example. Let me ask you the last question. Hillary. What is her, what's her role going to be here? I don't know. Whatever Hillary decides her role is going to be here. Um, she is, she's wonderful and amazing. And um, she is helping steer the, the Krantz tribe at home. But um, when she's not doing that, she gets to engage in ministry however um, she wants to. She's not just the, the hidden in the corner preacher's wife. Um, she loves being involved in, in ministry and she will certainly be making disciples um, in whatever she's doing. But yeah. You know, uh, I want you as a church to know that when we hired Dustin, one of the things that I made clear to him, and I make this clear, frankly, to every staff member that we hire, that we're hiring the staff member. We're not hiring their spouse. And the reason that I think that's important is that many churches often expect the spouse to be as much a part of the church, uh, or excuse me, as much a part of the ministry uh, as the staff member. 
Hillary, I want you to know, I know we've talked about this before, but I want you to know that you are free to participate in any part of the church that you want to, but you're not required to. Uh, We recognize that being his wife and being the mother of your children, uh, we recognize that's a, a huge ministry, and that's a very important ministry, and you're making some little disciples And so we think that's great. And so feel free to participate in anything, but know that you're not required to do anything here at City Church, okay? Dustin, I can't tell you how excited we are to have you on our staff. We look forward to great things coming from you. And uh, I'd like to say a word of prayer because I know that the challenge that you have in front of you is a a terrific challenge. But before I do, I want to say one thing. If Jesus can change the world with 12 ordinary disciples... I want you to know that these are extraordinary people. Not, not, not because of what they do or their jobs or how much money they make or anything else. But it's because of the heart of these people that I've gotten to know over the last four years. These are extraordinary folks. And if Jesus can change the world with 12 ordinary guys, what can he do with a church full of extraordinary people like these folks? Let me say a word of prayer. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we do thank you so much that in your sovereignty, you have led Dustin to City Church. And Lord, I, thinking about the challenge that he has in front of him, um, I know that it's a spiritual challenge. And Lord, I, I know that there will be great spiritual resistance from the enemy. And Lord, I pray that, pray that Dustin would sense your presence in his life. Pray that he would sense your power working through through him. I pray that he would recognize, Lord, and that you would keep reminding him that the only way that life change, that real life change happens is when it comes through the power of your spirit. And so keep Dustin dependent upon your spirit. Lord, I also pray that you would keep in Dustin's mind his priorities and that he would he would love his family and that he would be spend uh, time with his family that he would never put what he does here over his family I pray that they would sense that they are well loved and well cared for here at this church as well Lord we thank you so much for your goodness to us as a church think about where we started four years ago and think about all that's happened over the course of the last four and a half years and the people that you've brought to this place who attend this place and the people who've come to be a part of our staff and who lead us in music and serve in various capacities around here. Lord, it's just amazing. I could have never dreamed those things on the front end. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, pray that the gospel would continue to go forward from City Church if you tarry for a hundred years. It would still go forward with power. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus Christ, that we worship and pray. 